Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Today, I'm talking to my amazing, inspiring friend, Mel Wells. If you don't know Mel, Mel is a two-time number one best-selling author published with Hay House. Her books, The Goddess Revolution and Hungry for More, have been described as Bibles to helping women quit dieting and to heal their relationship with food and their bodies. Mel is one of the most amazing women that I know. You're going to love this episode. It's so vulnerable. It's so raw and real. And we talk about everything from getting into your feminine, self-love, personal development, and some of Mel's own struggles with those things. Let's dive in. Hey, babe. How are you? Hey. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. So Mel, tell us who you are, what you're about, what you stand for, all of that jazz. Sure. So my name is Mel Wells. I am the best-selling author of The Goddess Revolution and Hungry for More, uh, published with Hay House. I am a speaker, the founder of the Self Love Summit. Um, what else? Health coach, eating psychology coach, general self love junkie, and yeah, also actress, writer. I do a lot of things, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you wear so many hats. I love it. I know that you've been on a bit of a journey recently. You know, you've been such a big kind of well-known figure in terms of women's relationship with food and their body, but you've been on this kind of journey yourself where you've been shifting more into, I guess, self-love and femininity. So can you tell me a bit about that? Sure. So like what I think is really important to um, to kind of realize is when we have any issues around food, our relationship with food, you know, disordered eating, diets, all of this stuff that that so many of us struggle with. And this is what the topic of my first book was about and, and, um, and how I kind of got, I suppose, known what I got known for. I think it's really important to realize um, that whenever we have those issues, it's not actually an issue with food. Um, it's always an issue with life. It's an issue with our relationship with ourselves. Um, it's never really anything to do with food. Food is just the way that we express ourselves, the means that we kind of, um, you know, channel things through. Could be food for some people, could be alcohol for others, could be drugs, could be sex, could be relationships. But when we have disordered eating or any kind of destructive relationship with food, food is just the addictive, um, you know, portal, but what, you know, what really is 
the issue is our relationship with ourselves. So, you know, the biggest lesson for me and the biggest transformation with my healing, which was, you know, seven years of, um, seven years of having uh, bulimia, which was really destructive, was actually going on a self-love journey, which at the time for me, this is 2013, 2014, I thought this was the most cringeworthy thing I've ever heard of. This is just like, oh, love myself. I'd rather, you know, oh, I'd rather, you know, <laughs> like this makes me want to be sick. This is terrible. Like what are people going to think? Like people are going to think I'm so up myself. How dare I? Who am I to love myself? I don't want to be the girl that loves herself. Like all of this kind of, all of this stuff just came up for me. And I realized that that was what I really needed to do. So my recovery journey with food has always been all about self-love. And as you go on this journey of healing with food, you go through many different phases. And a really important phase that you go through is like being really, um, really anti, anti-diet be, and, and I guess being really angry about it all because, you know, we have been led down this path that says you need to count your calories, you need to count your macros, you need to follow these diets. And when you kind of wake up and realize that all of that that you've been fed is just feeding into diet culture and is actually nothing to do with you, nothing to do with your worth at all. And when you realize that you've been putting all of your worth on all of that stuff, on your body type, on your weight, on the scales, you feel like you've been had, you know, you feel like you've wasted loads of time and loads of life. So you will be angry for a while. Um, but I think what's really important to realize is, you know, all of that, you know, the relationship we have with food is really pointing to the relationship we have with ourselves. So Self-love really is the key to, to healing so many different problems in your life. You know, I think it is self-love to, um, to treat ourselves well, to, to treat our bodies well, to treat, to respect ourselves, to have good boundaries, to be in integrity with ourselves, to chase our dreams. That is self-love, you know, it is self-love to actually go and do the things we're scared of because we actually want to do them for our future self. It is self-love for us to sort our money problems out. It is self-love for us to, um, um, dance if our bodies want to dance it is self-love for us to go to therapy if that's what you know if that is what we know we need um so there's all of these different expressions of self-love which is different for every single person but yeah my my journey with self-love definitely started with healing my relationship with food Amazing. I love the way that you've described that and then how you've gone through those different chapters of learning to love yourself and your relationship with food. You also mentioned that, you know, our capacity to love life is related to how much we love ourselves and our relationship with ourselves. So in relationship to, I guess, confidence, what do you think is the difference or the similarities between self-love and confidence? I think you need both. I think you you can have both, you know. You I mean confidence doesn't need to be like outwardly, does it? It can be an inner confidence and inner knowing. And I think that's what self-love is as well. You don't need to be out there kind of showing everyone how much you love yourself. You can just be loving yourself, loving your choices, feeling completely content with who you are without kind of showing it to the world and, you know, I think it's it's security and comfort within yourself, within your choices. Um, but, you know, essentially it's about having your own back. It's about being a really good friend to yourself and taking, taking care of yourself like you would a friend, but also being that friend to yourself that sometimes says, you know, you said you were going to do this. Now, why aren't we going, why aren't you going and do this? You know, sometimes self-love 
requires a bit of self-discipline. And I know a lot of people are going to like not like that, but self-love is not just about kind of, you know, excusing yourself all the time and letting yourself off, off the hook all the time. Often it's the opposite, you know, often it's like, if I loved myself more, what would I do? And, you know, whatever you answer there is, is what you need to go and do. And sometimes it's not, it doesn't feel like a hot bubble bath, you know, sometimes it feels like tough love. And I do believe that that is self-love as well. Calling yourself out on your own shit sometimes is a form of self-love. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, I think it's, it's, it's like, what kind of relationship do we want? You know, when we, when we demand or when we, when we go looking for a relationship with someone else, you know, a partner, a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, we expect so many amazing things in our relationship. We expect trust, we expect respect, we expect unconditional love we expect quality time we expect passion we expect fun we expect growth we expect space you know we we expect a lot but if we're not bringing all those qualities to the relationship we have with ourselves first we're kind of asking the other person to just do all the work we have to bring that first to the relationship we have with ourselves so practice self-trust listening to your intuition practice self-respect you know there might be something that you like a habit that you have that you are you know that you are doing that is actually that you're kind of saying is self-love but actually it's not actually very respectful of your time of your energy of your boundaries and so I think you know it's just good to kind of be aware of that and and keep keep the curiosity alive keep looking at you know where am I actually not showing up for my future self? Because I believe that is self-love, really showing up for not just who you are now, but who you want to be. Amazing. I remember in one of your books, Mel, I can't remember which one it was, you mentioned that one of the first things that you did on your journey was you got really responsible for what you were consuming, not in terms of food, but the media you were reading, the gossip you might have been participating in has that been a part of your self-love journey that you would recommend to other people yeah definitely I mean what we consume is is essentially what we then what we then you know put out into the world so what we are looking at on social media like I'm a, I'm a big fan of like you know auditing what we what what we see on our news feeds and you know what we're reading you know what we're watching on tv i mean i'm sorry but like i just cannot get my head around how so many people tune in to watch love island every year to me that is like and i'm sorry for everyone that because I, I know so many people just absolutely love it but i feel like it's the same it's like the equivalent of like watch like eating uh domino's pizza in bed while reading heat magazine like that <laughs> Like I feel like if we don't want to become that, let's not consume it. Um, so you know, without sounding like an absolute snob, like I just think you know we can be reading more books. You know, we can be eating foods that really nourish us. We can be having conversations with friends that are not about gossip and who's had work done and who's lost weight and who's dating who. Like we like that. Whatever we talk about is then who we become. So yeah, I mean. I think, you know, for for me, like I definitely was in a lot of circles where we, you know, I had a lot of friendships that were quite superficial and just really based on going out drinking um, and who like boys that we were dating and uh, what people were wearing. And um, yeah, I started to feel quite alone with that and quite like, 
I was just craving more more depth and I, I actually found my I found a lot more deeper connections with people online through you know personal development groups that I was in and business groups that I was in and I found people that wanted to kind of go deeper and talk about you know just talk about life and ideas rather than other people um so yeah I, I do believe what we consume we are what we consume um and you know social media is a huge part of that obviously because we're subjected to hundreds of pieces of content a day I think you know if anyone if you're following anyone that makes you feel anxious or that makes you compare yourself or that you know triggers you you know you don't have to have that in your pocket every day you don't have to see that you can mute you can unfollow you can make your newsfeed somewhere that you want to be um you know you can fill it with things that are actually going on in the world that that mean something to you I so resonate with everything you've said. And for me, that was one of the first things I did as well. I stopped watching the news because it triggered me. It was always about what was going wrong, what was fearful in the world, or like judging women's women's bodies in the media. And I removed some friendships that were just same as you, like based on going out, based on gossip, based on laughing at other people. And it was like a weird space to sit in for a while I think like I felt a bit lonely and I've got loads of friends now but one of the things that people often ask me is how have you made uh, new friendships Amy and it's been through social media to be honest would you say that that was the same for you Mel? Yeah I mean that's how we met isn't it? Yeah (laughs) and um yeah for those of you that um uh, listening, Amy actually reached out to me through Instagram DM and invited me to an event that she was doing. And um, I think you said something like, "This might sound weird, but I just really think that we would be really good friends," or something. Yeah, like that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah," and I just checked you out, and I was like, "I think we would be really good friends." <laughs> and um, yeah, and so I came to your event, which was wonderful, and we've just stayed in touch since. But yeah, like friendships and social media, let's see. Yeah, I mean, if I think about like every person in my life, literally, this is alarming actually, every single every single person in my life, apart from my family, I have met through social media in some way. And I think whether that is we met some, you know, the first thing that you do when you meet someone is you go and find them on social media and kind of check them out more, you know? So I do think it's great in, in, in terms of like really finding your people. Um, you know, I've got friends all over the world now that I would never have been able to connect with had it not been for social media. However, with that said, I do think that, you know, I do think that there is so much to be said for just real life, just real life hanging out, real life. Like you cannot, you cannot really call someone a, a true a close true friend I think if you've not like actually spent time in their energy and I think that that sometimes is what social media can miss um so I actually really like being offline with friends and I really actually love meeting up with people and hanging out and not documenting it um because I think as soon as you pull out your phone and do a story it kind of breaks the I don't know it changes the atmosphere doesn't it it breaks the space yeah it breaks the space exactly so yeah lately I've actually been really enjoying being offline a bit more um 
and just connecting with people in a really human way just like how are you really doing like let's talk about what's what's not so great right now because on social media everything looks amazing all the time and I actually think that you know sometimes for me that's I've noticed that people don't really don't really ask me how I am because they just assume that everything is amazing on social and I think we all do that because we look at someone's life on social media and we think well they're so happy all the time and they're so confident and so successful and so everything but we don't actually it doesn't kind of you know compute straight away that actually there might be other there's probably a whole host of stuff going on that doesn't make it onto the gram obviously so yeah like I'm a fan of going deep with small you know amount of friends and having those conversations that that never make it onto social I love that too quality time's my second love language I think it's one of your top ones too right yeah it's my number one actually yeah well, that makes a lot of sense then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quality time is for sure my number one. It, how I know that I am valued as a friend or as a girlfriend is is for sure, like if someone actually wants to spend time with me, like that means more to me than than anything else, I think. Beautiful. So switching gears for a second, what is some misconceptions that people might have about you? Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> That's a really hard right throwing you in the deep end there. Oh my god, that is a really hard question. Misconceptions about me. Maybe that I have it all figured out. I think probably, yeah, probably that I just that I have it all figured out. And I I just definitely don't. Like still at 29, feel like I am winging it. Still sometimes feel like a little girl that just wants to curl up <laughs> and have <laughs> stroked. <laughs> um yeah. My, I'm a type one in the Enneagram and also, and then my second is type three. So I'm the, um, the reformer and achiever, right? Yeah. Reformer and achiever, but the reformer is also um, a perfectionist. And yeah, so I think sometimes I can, I can portray that, that everything is amazing. And, you know, I have a lot to be grateful for. Like there is a lot of, a lot of amazingness in my life, um, for sure. But yeah, I completely still feel like I'm making it up as I go along. I think it's nice that you share that though. And I think that you come across really authentically online. Oh, thank you, Amy. And you come across the same way with me and your other friends as you do online. Oh, thank you. The type one in you is like, yes, I'm in integrity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know me well. (laughs) so speaking of misconceptions what misconceptions are there that people have about self-love oh that it's always just like about having a hot bubble bath I think I think people think that self-love is about just pampering yourself all the time and you know it is not like often it doesn't feel very good I mean we me and Rick actually just had a conversation this morning because last night we ate quite late it felt really good in the moment because we were, you know, eating quite late and watching watching Lost, which we are obsessed with. <laughs> um, anyway, we end up going to bed and, you know, still quite full. And uh, we, woke up in the, we woke up this morning and just didn't feel that great. And last night, like, we could have said, oh, it feels like self-love to, you know, eat this amazing, like, it was still like a delicious, healthy meal, but it was like, we were eating it while we were watching our favourite thing and it felt like, it felt very good in the moment. 
but this morning we woke up and we both went, oh, do you know what? It doesn't actually feel like self-love in the morning when you don't feel so great about it. Let's, you know, as an act of self-love, let's agree to not do that anymore, you know? And, you know, there's a part of me that because I, because I had years of disordered eating and I was so strict on myself with so many rules, there is a part of me that has wanted to fight against any kind of discipline whatsoever because I go no I know what that I know what it's like when when it's when there are rules I know what it's like and I'd rather have no rules whatsoever and there is that but I think you know as your journey continues you actually realize that a healthy amount of discipline is self-love you know going to work out is is self-love even when you want to stay in bed you know and I think so that's probably a big misconception is self-love is just constantly doing what you want in the moment instead of actually what it is which is thinking about what your future self will thank you for that's what I believe anyway uh, you know I think self-love is really about the big picture vision for your life and you staying true to your to you and what you want I really love the way that you've described that as well and I would kind of see similarities in that with confidence like confidence isn't that you're not scared of anything that you do but you put your values ahead of your fears and so like if you really want to be a speaker for example you might still be a bit nervous when you get up there but you you're confident because you take the action to get up there because it's important for you and your future self would thank you for it so I love that you've said that as well with self-love yeah and and you know it's so it's so um impactful on every other area of your life the more you do things like that for yourself out of love for yourself people really dig that you know they they it is it's magnetic um, and I think, you know, the more self-love you have and the more you cultivate that as a practice daily, you know, your relationships are only going to improve. Totally. So what areas are you not confident or not 100% self-loving in, Mel? Because you come across as this, like you said, magnetic woman who sometimes might look like she's like got it all figured out in terms of confidence and being bold, what areas do you still struggle with? Oh, well, well, babe. So, <laughs> so again, like with my type one, you know, reformer, perfectionist, I can still be really hard on myself. And although I've healed a lot when it comes to like my body image and all that stuff with food, I have, I beat myself up for not doing enough um or which I'm I'm getting better at actually uh but like like the achievement thing like I know that we we sat down at the end of last year um with a couple of other friends of ours and we went through like what we'd kind of like goals that we'd smashed last year and I remember like reeling off this whole list of things that I had done and I remember feeling at the end of it like not even that happy about it like I, I'd like, I was like, I've done a TED talk. I've done this, I've done this, 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 this. I've like launched my book. I've launched the Self-Love Summit. And I felt like I just kind of reeled off this massive list of things that I'd done. But probably on that list, there was only like maybe one or two things that really felt like, oh yes. Like, I'm so proud of that. I'm so happy about that. And the others kind of felt a little bit like checkboxes that I had ticked off. Um, so this year for me has been 
a, a big lesson in slowing down, doing less, and not placing my worth in my work. Um, I've stepped back in a lot of in a lot of ways um, to actually just kind of be a little bit more still and just give myself a little bit of a break. But I still I still struggle sometimes with that. And another thing is I've I chose to. I chose to basically go back to my first passion in life, which was acting. Um, and for probably no one here even even knows, but um, I used to be a soap opera actress um, in Hollyoaks for a few years. And that was actually where I really struggled with, you know, disordered eating in a, in a huge, huge way. And um, I realized in the last year or so that like I really miss acting and I so I started going back to classes and honestly babe that has brought up so much shit for me so much shit um in a good way because it's like it's all there it's all there um because then I can you know really wade through it and I think when we are this is yeah this is an interesting topic because I think when we kind of go into like the coaching world and the personal development, the personal development world, um, it can feel sometimes like there's a lot of, a lot of noise and a lot of kind of, um, almost like ev- anyone can kind of post a quote and tell you something like, tell you face your fears. You know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and like anyone can kind of say, jump and the net will appear. But like to actually to actually put yourself in a position where you have to do that and show it and practice it is a different story. So for me, going back to the acting world, putting myself in those classes, you know, reaching out to people, like it it has felt so vulnerable for me and it has felt so scary. And I all of those voices from the past, all of the self-judgment, self-criti- self-criticizing, um, insecurity, comparison they have reared their head again and so I'm like working through all of that when I'm in the acting world when I'm in the also world and the coaching world and all of that I feel it's weird I feel um more comfortable there and I keep reminding myself that I didn't I didn't promise myself a comfortable life I don't want a comfortable life so if in the acting space is where I am the most vulnerable and where most of my shit comes up, that's where I need to be. That's where I need to stay. I so understand that as well. And I love that you're embodying what you teach because for you, coaching, being an author, that's comfortable now. So to speak about fear, you're not really in it if you're just in that world, right? So I love that you've gone back to it. And actually yesterday I uploaded a video of me singing on my Instagram for my confidence challenge. And for me, that was like the one area that I have avoided looking at so, 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 so much because I knew that that's the area that still terrifies me returning to that because I've got all these wounds around that. And that's all to do with my self-expression, like easy enough for me to get up and speak in front of a crowd, but singing just on a video to Instagram was like terrifying for me so that's why I did it completely and you know different things you know it's different for everyone I mean I'm sure there are so many people that would you know that are terrified of getting up and speaking in front of people on stage or you know terrified of like writing writing a book it's it's interesting like different things become you know a bit more comfortable for different people like I don't get nervous when I go and speak on stage anymore 
I just get excited because I just love it. Um, but acting for me is like, oh my God, like you said, just so many wounds, <laughs> like such a, <laughs> Like a, oh, there's just so much there. And like, I go to class twice a week and every time I go, I have this like gut-wrenching feeling of like, oh God. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I love it. I, there's something about it that is so cathartic for me. So yeah, that is an area where I am not the most self-loving. I can be really hard on myself, um, but I'm working on it. It's always a work in progress, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're always a work in progress. You know, I think, it's a misconception to think that we're done at some point with self-love or we're done at confidence. I would say it's just this ongoing journey and cycle that we're all on and we kind of go through different chapters of those experiences. Completely, completely. There's, there's no, you never kind of wake up one day and you're like, ta-da, done. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I still feel like certain times of the month, I can wake up and I'm in like a bad mood for no reason. And then I have to like have more self-love. <laughs> I have to go and <laughs> actually like go out and do things that are gonna, that are gonna help me along the way. Yeah, me too. I, you know, your confidence fluctuates a lot throughout the month and I would say self-love surely does too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to know, like to have a few kind of go-to things that just help us um, embody that self-love or all that confidence more so when you're having those days you know you know okay I'll go to my toolbox what can I do that always gets me in a good vibe maybe it's dancing in front of the mirror maybe it's like going to like your favorite yoga class or like going working out like my relationship with working out is so worlds away from what it used to be like I used to work out just to to punish my body or to change my body and it was, it was never fun. It was never fun for me. And now like, I freaking love working out, but like only, I don't, I don't go to the gym by myself. I only do classes. But the biggest thing for me that I go for is my mental health. Like I noticed such a huge difference, such a huge drop um, in my, in my mood, in my mental health when I, if I haven't worked out for a couple of weeks it makes a huge difference to me. Um, same with being in nature. Like we recently moved house to um, a different part of London and, you know, being so close to an amazing park now, like we're in between two amazing parks and being able to walk around nature is something that helps my mental health so much. It makes me feel just so grounded and so alive and so um, rejuvenated. And it's something that I took for granted because we didn't have, we didn't have that when we lived in East London. We, we didn't really have any parks nearby us at all. And I realize now like how much that impacts my mental health. Just, I think having like a couple of things that you know personally for you always pick you up is really, really good, a good thing to have on those days that, you know, you just feel like, oh my God, today I'm on the struggle bus and no one can lift my mood. <laughs> the struggle bus, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes I like I will be in like such a foul mood and nothing that Rick can say to me will help me. <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like inside I'm like, I know that you are trying so hard. <laughs> this is like, this is me. Like, this is me like beating myself up for something or being hard on myself. 
And what I really need to do is forgive myself and just practice loving myself um, and going out and doing something that's going to change my state or, you know, doing something that's going to make me remember like what I have to, to be thankful for and grateful for and knowing that, you know, everything that I like everything that I am putting out into the world everything that I am saying is all a reflection of how I'm feeling about myself and you know if we ever get into a tiff or an argument and I'm angry like usually I'm just angry at myself for something you know I'm just pissed off at myself for something and you you can kind of project that onto others without even kind of realizing it a lot of the time but I, I you know I always say like we've got 99 problems and 99 of them can be solved with more self-love Totally. I mean, well, love is the antidote to anger, right? And so much of the time when we're in that victim mode or we're feeling sorry for ourselves, it's because we're frustrated or we're angry or, you know, we're feeling resentful about something. So I think love, obviously, the antidote to that. And then exercise is great for that too. And so is nature. You know, I'm drawn to those things too when I feel angry and victim. Yeah. God, victim is a horrible one, isn't it? It's so like, oh it just doesn't feel good yeah but at the same time it does feel really good do you know what I mean it's like you know when you're in that victim mode you're like fuck you everyone and you're like I'm gonna stay here in my victim mode but it's so much more empowering when you actually step out of it and you have like a practice or an action to step out of it and it's hard totally totally switching gears for a moment you have been on this wild amazing journey um, moving more into your feminine away from your masculine which is obviously probably like woven into those personality types that you mentioned you know the perfectionist and the achiever who wants to be successful which can be quite masculine trades what has that journey been like for you and what kind of I guess instigated it yeah you know I'm still in the middle of it now um to be honest it's something that isn't very it isn't linear and it isn't just like a switch but it's something that is going to be a big feature of my next book um what instigated it that's a great question I think last year I hit burnout pretty yeah it was I think it was straight after the summit last year actually I just hit a wall and I felt like I needed to lie down and stare at the ceiling for like a whole week and I basically just kind of got myself on a plane and um, went to see my friend in Portugal. But I like when I when I got there, I literally felt like I'd been hit by a bus. And I was like, why? Why am I pushing so hard? Why am I? Why is it never enough? You know, all the things that I'm doing. Why? Does, why does it never feel enough for me? And um, where did I? Yeah, in terms of like the masculine and feminine thing, I think I started to realize that it was affecting my relationship. I think that was probably the 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 why. Um, because if if when if I was in my masculine and Rick was in his masculine, we would be butting heads. But also like I didn't really like how it felt when I was in my masculine and I was kind of forcing him to be in his feminine. I didn't really like how that felt either. And I kind of, we had lots of conversations about it. And it was kind of like, I realized that I was the one that really needed to soften. Um, and I really needed to allow myself to soften. And to begin with, this just looked like taking on less, taking things off the to-do list and actually just giving myself a bit more white space in my calendar um, and actually enjoying that white space in my calendar rather than just like filling it constantly with loads of stuff 
the next thing looked like just kind of getting getting into nature again like just really sitting in nature and connecting with mother nature because you cannot like for me that instantly connects me to my to my feminine you know just being being in nature like being in in mother nature's presence and obviously like we we both have masculine and feminine energies within us like obviously we need both um but for me like my masculine energy was running the show um i i realized that i wasn't i wasn't allowing myself to feel sexy to feel um beautiful to feel um feminine I suppose um because it was all about like the success and the doing and the achievements and the hustle and it was just too much it was I hit I hit a place where I was like I don't know where this leads me to and I don't think I want to continue this way because I don't I just don't know where it leads me to and I don't think I want to go where it leads me to so yeah, another thing that's, that's really been powerful for me is dancing. Um, when I was in Bali, I was going to pole dance classes um, every week. And that is something that I'm going to start doing again here. Because I do think that like environmentally, we talked about this the other day, Ames, um, like your environment, like each environment has a different energy. Like each city has a different energy, um, whether it is masculine energy or feminine energy. And I find London to be mostly masculine energy. Although I do feel that West London, West London is more feminine than East. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a journey that I'm honestly still in the middle of and still navigating. But I think there's just so much power in women kind of coming more into their feminine energy and being like being able to be instead of all this pressure to do, 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 do. Well, first of all, I am excited for the return of your pole dancing videos because those were fucking fire. I was like so, um, I don't know, I was like mesmerized by watching your videos and you got so good at it in like what seems like a short amount of time. Yeah, but this is what I mean. Like I, I, this is, oh yeah, I loved it so much. Then like came back to London and kind of got straight back into London, London version of me, which doesn't have time for that or says that she doesn't have time for that. So that's something that I want to revisit and get back into because it, it had such a profound effect on me completely. Well, I'll come with you if you find a place because I'm kind of in that same uh, frequency as you you know we were talking the other day about how Bali was so amazing when I was there on my retreat and I was in nature and walking around barefoot and I felt so connected and so just in flow and in tune with my spirituality and my intuition and I've just kind of come back and fallen down that slippery slope back into the go 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 do 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 full diary full schedule and it just you know, it disconnects me from my gifts, I feel, and it disconnects me from my feminine side, definitely. Completely. And it's that, you know, obviously I, I used to live in Bali, like I was there for 18 months and it was wonderful, but, you know, it's not, it's not conducive to everything we want to do in this life. So, you know, we have to kind of bring that energy and bring it back here, but it's, it's definitely easier said than done. Yeah. Totally. There's not too many keynote speaking opportunities in Bali, I guess. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. So how are you finding that balance now? Because I know you've recommitted to being back in London. You're normally traveling all over, but you guys have 
made a decision as a couple, you and Rick, to commit to the UK. How are you navigating that other than, of course, moving house and getting out into nature with the peacocks near your house? <laughs> yeah, honestly, like for us, just moving moving to a nicer area or an, an, an area that felt more like neighbourhoody um, has felt really good for us. We feel really good here. And yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I've, I've been, you know, let's see, four years ago, I felt so trapped by England and so um so like I felt like a bird that just wanted to break free I'd been in a relationship in my that you know we were living in my hometown for years and I felt very trapped by it I just was craving just adventure and travel and I wanted to see the world and get out there and I wanted to go and live in different places and I did that you know I traveled so many places I went and lived in Bali for 18 months then we went over to LA for a while like we kind of just bounced around and we were digital nomads for the first year and a half of our relationship really um living out of suitcases you know just kind of just being very very free and I think it's hard when you've lived in a tropical place and you've lived on an island, it's hard to then readjust back to somewhere like London. Very, It's very difficult. Um, it's very, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> but um, yeah, recently, like, like we both feel like we actually want to just stay put now. And this is, you know, maybe a sign of just we're getting a bit older. <laughs> wanting to like now what really excites me is like going out and buying furniture and plants and like painting and just like staying put like I was supposed to be traveling this weekend to see some to see some friends up north and I said you know what I'm just really craving some stillness I just want to stay put and that's that's the energy that I'm in at the moment um by like by sheer contrast of of what it used to be and I think there's a time and place for both um but definitely like when when you've traveled a lot and lived out of a suitcase a lot you really do crave that home and you know I do believe that home is everywhere you are and I definitely feel at home in many different parts of the world I feel at home in Bali a hundred percent oh my god um but I also feel at home in LA um and now I'm feeling at home in London but I'm actually wanting to like stay (laughs) and I think for me personally what I've realized is I have used travel sometimes as a way of kind of doing which is interesting this is the first time I've really spoken about this I think but I think when you're constantly on the go it kind of stops you from ever being in that stillness and I think, you know, we can do that. We can do that with, we can do that with work or we can do that with travel. Um, we can do that with lots of different things. But I think if you're constantly like jetting off and going to all these different places, like people, like I used to catch up with friends and like the first thing that they would say to me is like, oh, when are you, where are you off to next? Or how long are you here for? Because my story was just that I'm constantly here, there and everywhere. Um, and I needed to do that because, you know, when I struggled with my eating disorder, like I never traveled anywhere because I was so anxious of not being in control with food. And, you know, what am I going to eat? Like eating out was just like, so like caused me so much anxiety and, you know, the plain food and all of this stuff that I just would, I just panicked the whole, like a whole going on holiday was such a big fiasco for me that I, that I didn't go. Um, but now I've, I've done so much of it and I needed to do that. But now, yeah, I'm ready to ready to stay in ho- at home a bit more. I love that. And I think it's okay to change your mind and 
have different phases in life don't you think oh a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah we I feel like I'm in a bit of a nesting phase at the moment <laughs> getting ready for something hey <laughs> well we don't know maybe 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 in a few years maybe <laughs> <laughs> don't commit yet yeah. um so let's talk about the self-love summit which I'm really excited for it was so amazing last year and this is kind of like your soul project right oh yeah I love it so much oh my goodness so yeah the self-love summit was born out of a desire to bring hundreds of women together in one room to celebrate themselves to be inspired to be empowered and just like feel fucking invincible and amazing um I really wanted to provide an in-person um container for a lot of women to go on a journey of growth and self-love throughout the day so yeah I bring in a lot of incredible speakers and authors um and we all have our have our part on stage and we all kind of take the audience on a on a journey um but oh my gosh it is energy in that room when you have so many people in one in one room all just like so open so so ready just so available for growth and so um oh it's just magic it's just just magic so yeah I absolutely love this event it is happening on the 29th of June in London um if anyone would like to come we have Oh, just such an amazing day. We have speakers like Shannon Kaiser, um, Peter Kelly, uh, Koya Webb, Jessica Huey, Ben Bidwell. Oh my God, I can't name all of them. We have so many. Um, it's just, it's just going to be amazing. We also have like an influencer um, panel this year as well, which is basically we're going to talk about social media and self-love in like a, a nice conversation with a few influencers as well, which will be fun. Amazing. And lots of dancing and hugging. And there was a lot of tears last year, but they were happy tears by the end. Yeah, exactly. Like you will feel just so many different emotions. But yeah, I'm a big fan of dancing. Like as we talked about earlier, I think like dancing is like awakens everything in you. It's just such an incredible practice. So I, you know, I think self-development, personal growth, it doesn't have to be so bloody serious. You know, we can have the most amazing time doing it um so that's what the self-love summit is oh amazing and kind of circling back to part of the conversation where we were saying about meeting new friends and that's you know a question I get asked all the time anyone listening who wants to make some new friends who are more like-minded I would highly recommend going to that event because you will make a friend especially if you go on your own like don't be afraid to go on your own to events because oh yeah it's yeah. nervous, but like I've met so many people from going to events on my own. Completely. Yeah, no, I love going to seminars by myself. Like I think it's a great place to meet people because when you come by yourself, you're just so open, you know, you, you, you're already out of your comfort zone, which is great. Um, but yeah, I'm, we do a lot of audience stuff. We do a lot of exercises um, to help everyone connect with each other. And you are going to go away with, with so many new friends. Amazing. So it's been amazing to talk to you, babe. And just to wrap things up with one last question, other than obviously coming to the self-love summit, for someone who's listening who is really struggling to love themselves, what would 
you tell them or what advice would you leave them with? Honestly, I would say like just try and imagine that you are a friend of yours that you just really are responsible for taking care of and just try and speak to yourself like that. Try and treat yourself like that, you know, whether that means you take, like, what would you do if you had a friend in need? And, you know, that for me has helped me so much. And it's something that I always, always come back to. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, lovely. It's been amazing to talk to you. And thank you for your wisdom and all of your magical words. Thank you, Ames. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.